Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Lock and Key Unlocked, a podcast all about Lock and Key on Netflix, not those stupid comic books that nobody hey, likes. I'm wow. Alex. Bad attitude, Alex. I'm what? Justin. What? I'm Pete. I'm just saying, man, we are into the second episode of the Lock and Key Netflix series, and who needs those pagey page books anymore? I'm oh. all about the movie move images. That's what I'm talking about. Wow. Give me that. Dr. Zalvin went Hollywood. Regular Doc <laughs> Hollywood over here. I'm old school, man. I like, uh, I like to read my comics. I like to read my television shows. Yeah. Slow down those I like pictures. To- Whatever, man. It's all good. I don't even know what comics are anymore. But we're going to talk about Lock and Key, Trapper Keeper, the second episode of season one. This is written by Liz Fang, and it's directed by Michael Morris, who also directed the first episode. Uh, You're going to see that pattern repeated quite a bit because they block shot the episodes, meaning they shot two episodes at a time. So Michael Morris directed the pilot, the first episode, Welcome to Matheson, and also this one. We're not going to do this every episode, but I just want to get your bead now that we are full on into the series because a pilot is a specific thing. You know, like I think we all agreed we like the first episode. It really, in a very surprising way for Netflix, functioned as a pilot, setting up the show, setting up the circumstances, didn't cover all of the material from Welcome to Lovecraft, but it did some of it and touched on some new material. And we all really liked it a lot. But I think the second episode for me is often the proof of the pudding of, is this going to work long term? So with that all said, what were your general impressions here? Pete, I saw you raised a little wormy finger right there. So what's going on? Well, I just wanted to say before we get in the episode, what I really appreciate is the shout out to Trapper Keepers. You know, like we're old. Those were a big part of our lives. And it's nice to (laughs) Mm -hmm. see that somebody remembers that. And, uh, you know. Trapper keepers were huge, huge back in the day. They were like a a staple of who you were in society, like what kind of mm-hmm. trapper keeper you had. It was like, the original you know. laptop. Yeah. 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 And I appreciate, uh, this is looking ahead a little bit, but the third episode is called Slap Bracelet. The fourth episode <laughs> is called Pog. And the fifth episode is called, yo, wear your backpack on one shoulder anyway, or else you're a loser. Yeah. Wow. I'm looking forward to season two, totally crossed out. <laughs> I also appreciate uh, well, thank you that, for your expert commentary, Pete. Justin, yeah. what about you? What did you think about the second episode here? How are you feeling about the season so far? Well, as we all know, the pilot is the first one, in the same way that the pilot <laughs> is the first person at the front of the plane. Uh, and I think the pilot set us on a nice journey. We're uh, elevating to about 16,000 feet. And I look forward to a <laughs> leisurely flight. Very low. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I fly low, dog. I don't need those clouds. I don't need those clouds. I don't want to breathe in those clouds. clouds. You ever played Super Mario Brothers? A bunch of fucked up stuff happens in the clouds, and I don't want That's it. That's true. 
All right, everybody, we're going to be flying dangerously low today. <laughs> <laughs> so hang in there. Nonstop turbulence. Uh, customer well, I'm in scared nine, of clouds. Customer in 9B is requesting we fly very close to the earth. And we, gosh darn it, we're going to honor his crazy claim. <laughs> Let's do this. Great. I'm really glad I asked uh, both of you guys this. <laughs> uh, I, would, I would like to say, though, that as someone who absolutely loved the comic, it's this show is so much fun and it's different but exciting. Uh, yeah, I think this is really great television. I'm really impressed with the quality of TV thus far. I appreciate the changes um, that they've made. It feels like um, they're telling a slightly different story uh, right. with like the same elements. Um, and I, I think the all the moves they're making, it's like someone told them the story of the comic books and they're uh, writing it as they remember it, uh, making yeah. it better yeah. in certain places, changing things up in certain places. I, I, I'm really excited to keep watching. And in terms of storytelling modes, I really like the fact that the first episode was very exciting, ended with that big mirror action sequence, um, yeah. set up the thrills and the scares and the laughs. And I think... They pull back on the pace in a nice way in the second yeah. episode where you get to spend time. It's a shorter episode, and all of the episodes are shorter than the first episode, which I think is also great. Like, give me a bunch of sub-50-minute episodes on Netflix, please. But they spend a lot more time with the characters and the situations and digging into that. And I think that is a good, smart thing to be doing in the second episode here. Is my and it, they set up so much tension. This uh, the comic was all about tension. The show is is doing a good job of translating that tension in different ways, um, letting uh, Bodhi just like wander around wherever he wants. Uh, yeah, <laughs> is wild and sort of <laughs> lightly stressful. Um, and them yeah. all the characters. It feels like uh, Bodhi's going on his own journey, uh, sort of throughout, and he keeps intersecting with um, Tyler and Kinsey while they're sort of working out their relationship, which is an interesting um, split. Now, uh, it's I'd, funny. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Pete. Uh, I'd like to ask you guys. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I was living the Bodie life. Like, it was, okay, make sure you're back by dinner. And, you know, my parents did not care where I was and what I was doing as long as I wasn't, you know, getting into trouble or hurting anybody. Uh, Which but you now, were doing. Like, Things are different nowadays where I feel like that is not the case. And people, since you both have kids, is this stressful to see Bodhi just kind of wandering wherever the fuck he wants to and nobody's really looking out for him? I grew up the same way. I could go anywhere I wanted as long as it wasn't past the end of the driveway. So I really oh, wow. got to explore <laughs> a lot of a very small area. Uh, I mean, I think things are different because of cell phones for both better and worse, where you can send a kid off and be like, well, you know, just be careful, but give me a call every 10 minutes or something like that. Uh, but Wait, your kid's got to call you every 10 minutes? <laughs> Helicopter Yeah, well, dad. they got to show me a picture of them with uh, today's newspaper so that, that I, I know they're alive. Wow, that's, wow. A, that's a lot of newspapers, Alex. You're buying yeah. a lot of newspapers. I'm trying to support the industry, dudes. I just nice. uh, duct tape a cell phone to my one-and-a-half-year-old and, a half year old and <laughs> make sure she calls me uh, anytime she uh, has a drink. 
It's funny we're talking about the Bodhi thing because uh, the first episode we taped before the show came out, this one we're taping during the opening weekend, so to speak. And opening I feel weekend. like, I mean, let's call it what it is. Yeah. The That has been the big takeaway. I've seen a lot of people comparing Bodhi to Carl from early Walking Dead. Mm. Where oh, it was wow. like, what are you doing, Carl? Somebody find where Carl is, please. <laughs> He's in the middle of a bunch of walkers. And I actually think in a funny way, uh, and he became different by the end of the series, by the end of his life on the series. But uh, Bodhi is so much more capable than Carl Grimes was at that point. Oh, yeah, yes. definitely. 100%. Definitely. I mean, yeah. that guy knows how to work a bear trap. Yeah. He's doing pretty well. Well, let's yeah. get into it. Uh, the quick bit of recap, really all you need to know to get into this episode is the Locke family uh, witnessed the murder of their father, Rendell Locke. Uh, they ended up moving to a new place, Matheson, Massachusetts, to his old home of Key House. There they discovered there are a bunch of magical keys. And there's also a weird evil entity living in a well. We don't know what her name is yet, though if you read the comic books, of course you do know what her name is. Um, but let's call her Echo for the time being. Yeah. Uh, because we're not going to really spoil comic stuff here on this podcast. Uh, she lives in the well, wants those keys, and tricked Bodie, the youngest kid, into giving her something called the Anywhere Key. Using the Anywhere Key, she escaped, left, uh, and at the end of the episode... Uh, the big cliffhanger here is that she met up with Sam Lesser, the kid who murdered Rendell Locke. So we know that these two villains are collaborating in some way. Uh, the other thing that you should probably know about, I guess, uh, let's see, we should know about the Savini squad. They are horror buffs who are friends with Kinsey Locke, the middle kid, and Tyler Locke hooked up with a girl named Eden, uh, who is friends with a girl named Jackie, uh, and then uh, was kind of a jerk about it a little bit. But, you know, everybody's dealing with Rendell's death in different ways. And the last thing you should know is that Nina got sucked into a mirror world thanks to a thing called the Mirror Key. But when she came out, immediately forgot everything to the confusion yeah, yeah. of the kids. And that's where we left off in the last episode. There's more things I'm sure we'll cover. But why don't we jump into it and start talking through the episode, which kicks off with the kids trying to figure out what's going on with Nita as they eat breakfast. Mm -hmm. uh, and what I loved about this is they're totally confused, but Bodhi knows exactly what's going yeah. on. Kids He's got a mission notebook. He's a way yeah, ahead of it, it. It's it's stressful because it's like it's frustrating when someone doesn't listen to somebody who we know is right, you know. And it's fun to see them try to piece it together because you know, mom's like, "Hey, why is everybody looking at me funny and being so quiet?" You know, uh, and they're kind of like, "Do you remember anything?" And she kind of remembers the mirror, but that's kind of where it ends. Yeah, the teens are surprisingly chill about this fantastical uh, thing that yeah. happened to them. <laughs> they jump right back into their lives. Um, it, it is funny how Kinsey and Tyler react versus how Bodhi reacts. Because Bodhi is like, this is the best present I've ever gotten in my life. Yeah. I love this. But Kinsey and Tyler are like, yo, don't be weird about it, dude. We yeah. don't want to attract too much attention with our magical keys. Come on. Like, what would you be doing if you suddenly discovered a mirror key that could open a mirror dimension? Uh, I would be on the hunt for the keys all the time, and I don't care how much school I missed. Well, they don't know that there are other keys. They just think there's a fucked up mirror in their second floor. But you're in, like, 
practically what looks like a crazy haunted house. There, you find a key that does something. Why wouldn't you just be like, let's explore the shit out of this place. This is crazy. And oh, by the way, Bodhi said he saw a woman in a well. Well, let me also throw out, uh, because they are older, they are a little more, um, it might take them longer to really buy into the magic because of the way the rules of the key house works. So it, it may not be all them just being like caught up in their teen lives. Well, way too casual because after you saw your mom walk through a mirror and then Bodie demonstrates it again to the sister. She almost gets like dangerously close to getting sucked in again. They have to like pull her away. I did love the line here after Bodie lays out the rules that adults just don't remember any of the magic. He goes, as you said, opens up the mirror and the evil Kinsey waves at them and she starts going in and Bodie says, hey, evil Kinsey, are you just mold? Because Kinsey's <laughs> theory was that there was just mold in the house or something like that. Yeah. Um, I love that. Just Bodie. That was hilarious. Far and away, the best character easily in these first two episodes. Yes, 100% yeah. agree. Uh, well, now, there's another interesting. Yeah, uh, yes. Yes, we do meet Rufus this episode, which we'll talk about in a moment. Uh, but Bodie also, and this is an interesting thing that I think they're setting up. Uh, he says he lost the Anywhere key. He doesn't really tell them that he gave it to the lady in the well. And that feels like something that could have repercussions, potentially. Yeah, yeah. it's a frustrating that he's not saying anything, but I get it. I mean, he tried to tell them, and they were all like, oh, you're crazy, Bodie. You didn't see that. But it's interesting he's now purposefully keeping it um, because yeah. I guess he feels guilty about doing it. Like, he knows it's a bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. it's Kinsey's key. She had it on her bracelet, and he kind of took it off and then lost it. I think he feels bad about it. Yeah, I think that's fair. And he also, as we see throughout the episode, clearly wants to solve the problem himself. So as we mentioned, Tyler and Kinsey head off to school. They don't want anybody to think they're weird. Meanwhile, and this is a question I have for you, Pete, uh, Bodie goes exploring with his lightsaber, looking through keys through the house. When we looked at the trailer, you were upset about the lightsaber, Pete. How'd you feel about it now? Now now I love it. It's just one of those things where it's (laughs) like, it's hard when you first see something in a trailer, like out of context, but the way they kind of built up to this and instead of, you know, doing what was in the comic, uh, the, I, yeah, the lightsaber seems very much kid. And I'm also glad they're leaning into the action thing too, action figure thing that way for Rufus and Bodie to talk. Um, it's a little yeah. interesting that they sort of gave some of Rufus's qualities to Bodie. Yeah. And like some of the things he's the into. G.I. Joe's, you mean? G.I. Joe's stuff, yeah. And I think there was one the other way, thing that maybe I can't Yeah, remember. the way he talks about, you know, like, he kind of talks like Rufus from the comic book a little bit. Like, you know, like he's the green leader or whatever, and they're on a mission, that type of stuff. Yeah. I mean, the sense I get with that is that is setting up the fact that, as we find out later in the episode, when they meet, they just immediately lock minds and they're immediately friends. Uh, and yeah. I think that's... That structural reason there is like if you know they already have this shared language, it's an easy lift for them to jump right into a relationship with each other. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of how kid relationships work, you know. And adults, mm-hmm. literally, our relationship is based on seeing each other with comic books. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. I mean, so I enough. was literally holding comic books, and Zalm was like, "Hey, we should be yep. friends." Yeah. So yeah, he goes exploring with the lightsaber, uh, Duncan. Uncle Duncan jumps Scary out and pooper. scares. 
scares Bodie. He's a scary pooper. Yeah. Uh, is that what you said? Yeah, he's a scary pooper. Scary pooper. Great. That's like Harry Potter, but slightly different. I mean, this was the most terrifying part for me um, because yeah. you never want to clog a toilet that you don't have control over. Oh, yeah. Also, let, what he said was almost like a challenge. Uh, he's like, yeah, you can't clog that toilet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Moment of That's, silence. It's like, whoa, sure. Duncan, what are you doing in there, man? Do you take that as a challenge? Usually? Yeah. Yeah. If someone, if someone walks out of the bathroom after a lot of weird noises and scary pooping and it's like, you can't clog that toilet. That's definitely it. You're throwing down the gauntlet. Yeah. And so if it's Pete LePage instead of Bodie Locke, you're like, I'll take that challenge. Yeah. Uh, great. Great. Come on great. over. I'm Come on over to my you. house sometime. <laughs> Uh, so he does tell Bodie to get some new weapons, so Bodie gets swords, at which point he starts hearing the whispering again and finds what we later find out is the head key in a vacuum cleaner. So that's that's fun. Uh, and then, uh, oh, you're, you're Justin. You're, I was going to say, it's interesting that the keys are being found in what seems like very random places. Yeah. Um, yeah. It feel, I would expect them to be a little more uh, of a... Uh, meaningful or a little more like ah I see because mm-hmm. I, I do well, think I'm sure we'll get I'm sure we'll get some of that as well but right now it's a little uh, you know random uh, I would think there'd yeah. be more intention to it was almost like um, uh, like Rendell left them in places um, where it was like a little bit of a, a scavenger hunt with purpose while well, this feels like oh he randomly found them there. Right, like in the garbage disposal, in the vacuum cleaner. Yeah. Well, I uh, think the, after- the only one, the. Oh, I was just going to say the anywhere key clearly does fit that criteria that you're saying, Justin. Yeah. Um, but yes, the other ones do seem just like hiding in places. Especially because yeah, I think the head key is such an important like, key. I just feel like they do doing a good job of being like, time has passed since anyone's been living in this house. And then maybe like, Rendell was had it somewhere, but then someone was trying to clean up in a hurry and it got sucked up. Maybe someone was oh, trying yeah. to like destroy a key and that's why it was in the garbage disposal. Like I feel like they're even though it seems random, like it kind of tells a story a little mm-hmm. bit about the state. So yeah, you think somebody was like, Oh man, I gotta go wreck a toilet, dropped a key on the floor and it got vacuumed up or something? Yeah. 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 That tracks to me. So the kids go to school, Tyler immediately lies about hooking up with Eden. He's like, yeah, I mean, he doesn't say this, but he basically implies that they had sex, even though he froze up because he saw Sam Lesser in his mind. Uh, at which point we... Straight meet- douche move. Very douche move. Yeah. Uh, but I gotta, I gotta tell you, like, he's trying to fit in. That's clearly his whole characteristic right now. So he makes a mistake, but... He's still a good guy. Wow. <laughs> yeah, wow. It's borderline. When you do and do stuff like that, you know, I mean, that's not, you know, that's not very nice to say about somebody, you know? No, it's absolutely not. But so uh, part of it, it is that. that his douchey, the thing that I do think they structure well is it's mostly his douchey friends filling in the gaps and saying it themselves rather than Tyler being like, oh, yeah, I hit that, you know, or whatever. Like yeah. he's letting them say the thing and just not denying it, which is bad, but not as bad as it could be. It will track right, it tracks with his like 
inability to act. He's inactive. So he's just sort of letting these things happen to him and uh, doing the thing that is the path of least resistance, which is not a hero's journey. He's the Hamlet of the show. Indeed. Indeed. Yes. Yes. Uh, Yorick. I knew him well. That's Pete, all. I, go that's ahead. All. I was just going to say, it would be also be <laughs> cool if, uh, you know, if he was like, hey, guys, that's not a cool thing to do. You know, don't I don't want to disrespect women because I'm a good person. You know, something like that. Yeah, you know? you're right. That would have been better dialogue. Uh, all right. So <laughs> Nita, <laughs> Nita at this point meets Ellie Whedon, who is another major character that we saw very briefly in the first episode. Uh, she's played by Sherry Som, who people might recognize from the Fosters. If you ever watch that show, as well as Good Trouble, the spinoff. Uh, she brings her, I believe it's some gin, I yeah. think. Uh, as a present, as a welcome present. And immediately we get Nina asking her about the picture of Rendell and his friends from high school. Uh, there's clearly a tone going on in the music where Ellie is creeped out. Now, the interesting thing about this, I know we said we weren't going to talk about the comic book too much, but this is another change, which I think is worth uh, talking about. We're clearly in the first episode, we had an old friend of Rendell's remember things and here we have Ellie remembering things and that's like that that's a change for the comic book where mostly they had forgotten mostly they were not completely aware of what was going on anymore how do you feel about that I'm fine with it I think what I like about it is it gives Nina a little mystery to chase that's separate yeah. from the keys because obviously she can't conceive of them so it it creates more of a like a cover up. There's something in between these people, and learning that about her deceased husband is clearly like something's it's bothering her. So she gets to chase that down, which I, I think is cool. Yeah, I, I I like it. It gives. It also talks a little bit about like her being alone and trying to reach out to people to piece things together. She's not just kind of being passive about all the crazy stuff. That's happening to her. She's trying to find things out, put things together. But what's great is because she's there, we also get to see a little Rufus. And uh, that's just magical. Uh, well, yeah, let's talk about Rufus then. So we get a quick montage of Bodie trying this new key at a bunch of doors. Uh, it doesn't yeah. work anywhere. He goes up to a shed, at which point we meet Rufus. We see the, the ghost door. Talk. We linger on the ghost door for a we very do. long we time. Do. Which is the second episode in a row, which is fascinating because that's in the first issue yeah. Yeah. of the comic. And we're just slowly teasing that out at this point. It makes me think um, that that's where this first season is going. The ghost door is going to be a big player in the back. Back end of the first season, uh, the way they're hanging on it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we do meet Rufus, though, outside of the shed. They have a quick conversation about weapons. Uh, what's yeah. a good weapon to trap somebody? And he gives him a bear trap. Uh, <laughs> so Rufus, obviously a beloved character. I think Kobe Bird did a great job, is absolutely perfect in the role. Uh, one of the things that I love the way that uh, Michael Morris, the director, shot them is he shoots them from below. So Rufus seems enormous Gigantic. in this room, particularly yeah. compared yeah. to Bodie. It's almost like it's almost like a Gandalf Hobbit type thing going on, and I, yeah. I loved it. I yeah, I really liked how Rufus was like, "I'm excellent at my job," and uh, what's great is their dialogue, their conversation. It's like. Hey, uh, how can you stop somebody instead of Rufus being like, I don't know what you mean. He really uh, thinks about it. It makes a choice. And, uh, 
Yeah, just hysterical to see another kid hand a kid a kid a giant bear trap who should not be having something so dangerous. Yeah, bear traps not cool. Don't fuck with bears. Oh. Oh, I mean, man. you talked about being scared about letting our kids go around the neighborhood. The bear trap is what got me. Bodie can go yeah. wherever he wants, but like, do not touch a bear trap. That thing where he's like slowly trying to open it and it's oh like, shit. oh, <laughs> and I can say from parenting experience, I have bear traps all over my apartment, yes. but my kids yes, know should. don't play with my bear traps. Yes, yeah, they know that <laughs> you have one around all of your uh, like your laptop, all your Halloween right. candy. <laughs> yep. The refrigerator. Yeah, yeah, I almost fell for that Halloween candy, but then I was like, oh, no. Yeah, There's I did get you trap. the box, though, with the stick, though, Pete. Oh, yeah, for those yeah. of you at home listening, um, uh, Alex and Pete have a classic Roadrunner Wiley Coyote relationship. <laughs> <laughs> and boy, uh, do they want to catch. Alex is dying to catch that, Pete. Uh, one of these days, I'm going to eat you, Pete. <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm going to eat that sweet Pete meat. Oh, oh nice. man. Uh, speaking of eating things, uh, next up we get a sequence with the lady of the well. She's sitting at a diner. She is eating... So much food. Cutting Finally out of the well. Finally eating a bunch of food. Sticks her finger in hot coffee, which is pretty fucked up. And then she uses <laughs> the Anywhere key to do a bunch of different things. She goes to a designer, uh, steals steals a bunch of clothes, steals a necklace in another place, goes to a club, hooks up with a dude, and I think chokes, chokes him, him out. Kills chokes him. him out. A young dude. Uh, so uh, we're clearly setting up like the power... And the stakes of what this lady has here, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that she's a villain. Mm -hmm. She does bad stuff, like eats too many plates of food at at lunch. It doesn't pay. Yeah. Yeah. Which, mind you, Bodie got some free ice cream last episode and didn't pay for that with Scott, which. So, like, in terms of villainy, uh, the Echo is number one, but Bodie is number two. I mean, the Anywhere Key is a gateway drug to dining and dashing. Let's call it what it is. (laughs) Let's call it what it is. Uh, Speaking of dining and dashing, then uh, we got a lunch scene with Kinsey. She's sitting alone. She's uncomfortable. Scott goes up, and we get a mini arc here for Kinsey in this episode, uh, which it turns out that Eden, the bead girl, is filming the star role in The Splattering, Mm. which is Scott's new horror script that he's written. Uh, And he says that Eden is a terrible person, but actually a pretty good actress. So they're excited to have her. Uh, and I continue to really like this relationship, like actually a lot more than in the comic book. Yeah. I think Scott is very sweet and fun, and I'm really enjoying yeah. having him around. And he's into yeah. other things besides just being obsessed with Kinsey. Like this whole horror sequence I thought was really fun. Um, mm-hmm. I It's also interesting the way the school is very Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. They keep yeah. sort of making it more so that, and that's interesting. Um I would expect that Key House is the weird magical place and everything else is a little flat and normal, but instead they're sort of populating everything with a little bit of of magic. Yeah. And I think part of that is keeping the tone consistent, right? Because you wouldn't want them. There's nothing particularly interesting about the lock kids going to school and going to a science lesson or anything like that. Uh, Science is cool. um, I don't know. Agree to disagree. I mean, I if I were in this the situation there, and I would be like, "Keys, ha, give me a Bunsen b- uh, burner, <laughs> the real key." Ooh, that really tripped off your tug. Right I know. There. I was like, "Bunsen, <laughs> what is it? Beaker?" I used to be a chemistry major. 
Oh, wow. Uh, cool. How far uh, you Well, let's follow. talk about the rest of the Kinsey thing, because that kind of plays out on its own track. Uh, so Kinsey gets the splattering script in her locker. Uh, she's pretty pissed at Tyler because Tyler is now hanging out with his jock friends. Yeah, she ditched her at lunch. He totally ditched her at lunch. Like pretended didn't see her there. Awful. Uh, And then uh, we get the splattering scene, which I think is just great. Like, I love this whole sequence. Uh, Kinsey goes, meets with the Savinis. She meets a new kid in town named Gabe, uh, who's played by Griffin Gluck. He is in a giant lobster costume, which I believe they set up as like part of the mythology of town, which I really liked a lot. Yeah. Like to your point about everything being kind of magical, uh, it feels like there's all these legends in town and things which maybe they're key related. Maybe they're not, but I I think that's very fun. Yeah. It's a lobster monster that grabs people and drags them into the ocean. I think. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's fun. Um, And to your point, I think um, about creating more magic in the area. I think that will, when we start to see the legacy flashback stuff, Maybe all all these places need to be magical because uh, what we know about what Rendell and his squad did when they had the keys. Yeah. Uh, and so when they're at the scene, Eden is there. She does not want to get bloody. Of course, they want to spray her down with blood. Uh, and ultimately, Kinsey, she storms out. Kinsey volunteers to take Eden's part, oh. which seems like a very bad idea. Horrible idea. Uh, and they do a fun, very cheesy scene with a dubby of Scott. Gabe comes into the lobster costume, cuts his head off, and she starts getting splattered. Yeah. It's a splattering they, of exactly. blood. Nailed it. They, this was very she, well made. Yeah. The the movie? The, the splattering? Yeah. I've, uh, <laughs> I'm developing into a feature-length um, feature film. Yeah. We can't wait for it to come out. I've had to build a, uh, a puke machine similar to the blood machine they use in this scene, and it is very hard, and they crushed it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no more questions? Yeah, it was no great. questions about uh, that? She... <laughs> What? No questions no about qu- it? Yeah, we're not taking the bait on that puke machine, bro. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I think I can figure it out from context. <laughs> <Yes>. uh, so <laughs> Kinsey, as she's getting splattered with the blood, flashes back to the night with Sam uh, where she froze up under the table. Uh, she freaks out, apologizes. Scott comforts her. Uh, and... Uh, it's great. Again, like I know I keep kind of harping on the same thing, but it's clearly like she's put herself into this situation at this point. Um, And I appreciate that Scott is understanding about it. Like he doesn't seem to what you were saying earlier, Justin, he doesn't seem just after her. He actually likes her and is excited to hang out with her. Yeah. Yeah, He cares for her. Yeah, he yeah. cares for Oh, her. right. That's what that's called. Okay. Yeah. Uh, also, Jesus Christ, Alvin, try to be human. Um, mm. so, Don't understand. So there's also a cute moment with Kinsey when she comes home and her mom is like, oh, my God. And she's like, it's edible and washable, which was hilarious because that's yeah. what the, uh, the other person said who kind of made the whole uh, get up. And uh, poor I really Nina. Like- uh, I just want to say poor Nina in that moment that they went through everything, moved there, and her daughter comes out slathered in blood. Yeah. yeah. Awful. Yeah. I felt but so bad for her. I really like how we're getting to know Kinsey and how we're getting kind of inside of her head versus the comic Ooh, book. Like tease. It's I I love the comic book. I feel like this gives us a little bit more warmth for Kinsey. 
that we didn't uh, have till like much later in the comic book. Uh, yeah, and it, to sort of close up her story, we get this flashback scene of her dad uh, giving her the bracelet with the Anywhere key in it. And man, that was just heartbreaking. Just so I well wanted done. to ask you guys about this as part as well, not to keep going back to the trailer and everything, but certainly we had a lot of discussions about that. We saw Rendell a bit in the last episode, but this is... This to me, these were the first real Rendell scenes, like getting a sense of what Bill Heck is doing with the character of Rendell. I thought it was very heartfelt, very emotional. Clearly, he doesn't look like Rendell does in the comic books necessarily. But how did you feel about his portrayal of Rendell? How did you feel about this take on the character? I like it. I think it totally worked in this scene. Um, Yes, he's different in the comics, but... I'm fine with it. Uh, he's a little less of a like northeastern uh, f- like fisher person and more yeah, of just like, like a little bit of a hipster dad. Uh, but yeah. I think it works. He's definitely a more softer father than what we saw. Uh, but yeah, it's a nice. I feel like they're they're doing a good job of making people more warm and, and kind in this in the TV show. And the father stuff was very, very touching. Although part of me wanted to be like, tell her what the fucking key can do, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think he's great as well. It, to your point, like it's very much perfect dad right now. And I'm sure that will change <laughs> at a certain point. Yeah. Um, but I like I like the having that early on. And I think it's important for the life of the show to feel like he is present as much as possible. Um, I think that's a nice thing to add to sort of flesh out the running time, flesh out the bits of the show to have a lot more of him. And it's funny. uh, I know I've talked about this before. I have watched the whole season, but this was the point when they started putting more of him in where I started to wonder, wait, are they going to bring back Rendell at some point? And I think like I could say they don't like that's not in the first season or anything like that, but there's still a part of me that feels like that's a thing that you could do in the TV show, which you didn't do in the comic books just because you have the actor there, you know? Yeah. Right. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, that's an interesting way of explaining it because uh, <laughs> they have the actor. Well, but you want to br- you have the actor. You like working with the actor. You want to bring the board to the action and have them on set and interacting with the other actors. So I don't know. I, I think it would be a bad choice, but it would be an interesting choice. <laughs> yeah, they must really like that dude. If they're like, ah, this is going to ruin the story, but we got to keep <laughs> yeah. you on set, man. Yeah. You're fun. Hey, fuck, fuck how great that ended. Uh, let's really. <laughs> Make some changes. Tell you what, I'll tell you what, I'm going to edit out the last five minutes of this podcast. Okay, so uh, <laughs> let's keep jumping through it because we do meet another uh, big character right after that. Nina goes to school and she meets Joe Ridgway, who I believe in this version is the dean of 11th grade. Uh, they have a very nice conversation, but he drops that he knew Rendell. He uh, says that he was always hanging out with his friends. Nina yeah. thought he was a loner. Turns out he did have friends up until tragedy happened. Uh, And that's, uh, again, like this sort of pushes the whole Nina investigating side of things where she's slowly finding out while Kinsey is having these very warm memories of her father, Nina's finding out she didn't know her husband as well as she thought she did. Yeah. And then he does the old, oh, oh, I've got a class and then bolts (laughs) because things get a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Professors can't trust them. They're always they seem busy, but I don't know if they are. 
There's the kind of like embarrassing. Mo- oh, I'm sorry, Justin. I didn't mean to cut you off. That's all right. I think um, that uh, I like the show tossing so many balls up in the air and uh, letting them just hang there while we, they move on to other parts of the story. Really like that. And I also like the idea that um, that Nina's going to doubt Rendell a lot throughout this season, but finally learn. Uh, may, hopefully, at the end of this season. A little bit more why what happened happened, why he was not yeah. telling her. Particularly when he comes forward in time and is living with them again, I think that'll really clarify a lot of those oh, points. Oh, Jesus. That's definitely... Oh, right. I forgot I uh, cut out gee, that part. Now I gotta leave it in? Come on. Yeah, when they promote the uh, like craft services guy because he's really fun to being a lead <laughs> yeah. of the show. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, a lot of people really like that craft services guy. We should put him in the show. Let's make the omelet I mean, guy Bodie. I know he's 65, yeah. but he's fun. His omelets are good. Hey, Jackson, Robert, Scott, get the fuck off his set. Craft services guy has your job now. So why we have Nina in school, she kind of sees Tyler as like, and there was that fun moment where we see Tyler go like, oh, God, my mom's here. And that is like such an embarrassing, fun thing to kind of like have that moment. But before that, Tyler is kind of in the like activities fair where people kind of have tables set up. And he really has a nice moment with uh, one of the girls from earlier. And she Jackie. says to him, what's that? Jackie, her name's Jackie, Jackie. Yeah, she says to him, "You can either be a good guy or an asshole, but you can't be both." And I'm like, "Yes, please," because Tyler is such a great character in the comic book. I'm like, "Come on, man, you can't be, you can't be these both these things, man. You got to make a choice and start living your life." But so that's like, the journey. That's the journey of the character. It's good. Yeah, and yeah. To that, so I would say, Pete, I appreciate you saying that. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> wow. There you go. I can do both. I can live both, baby. The you ultimate can't. man. You can't. I could be a good guy, and I could also be an asshole. No. No, you can't. You can't Easy. be both. But I, I really asshole. liked the way she called him out on his shit. You know, I thought yeah. that was a nice moment. Uh, she is great. I, I do want to just kind of zip through the Nina stuff because that's basically about laying in for information and doubts about Rendell. Um, we uh, get to see her at the hardware shop later on. She picks up a hammer and pictures herself hitting oh. Sam in the head with the hammer. She's clearly just dealing with this PTSD over and over. Uh, also, she has another chat with Ellie invites her back over, wants to know about the tragedy with the friends, and that's where she finds out about the drowning caves, though, of course, as we know, Ellie has left certain pieces of information out. And the last bit, which is another important bit to note, is Nina and Duncan are having Chinese food. And I got to say, I love, next to people carrying coffee cups and TV and movies that are clearly empty, I love watching people eat Chinese food in TV and movies. Really? Because it's always, and I don't know about you guys, but like every single time it's, I have a container of Chinese food and I'm sticking some chopsticks in it and I'm just kind of pushing it around a little bit, but clearly there is nothing in that container. Oh man. Wow. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't you think go there, there when just I see gobs that. of Chinese food in there. I just put it on a plate. I'm That's not, what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm not a character in a... I'm not a New York character in a movie. Right. Everybody's like, I'm going to sit down and eat an entire carton of Chinese food right now. You've That's never just doing. like, while you're eating Chinese food, kind of like poke at a little bit while you're talking? Not, you know, not with the first go around. When I get the Chinese food fresh, I'll put it on a plate like Justin. 
But if I pull it out of the yeah. fridge the next day or something, then I'm whole hog. I'm then you just lay down on the ground yeah. and eat it off the floor, right? Like an animal. <laughs> yeah. You so monster shove it all over my in face. That box. Shove it off of my chin right into my little piggy mouth. Completely yeah. nude, just eating leftovers <laughs> out of the fridge like a psychopath. Again, like true animal. Anyway, I guess the important thing to actually note is that Duncan uh, doesn't seem to remember a whole lot about the house. It yeah. seems like he's hiding stuff, can't quite remember stuff. We're not sure what's going or- on there. We'll find out, of course, later. Uh, and that's where we leave Nina. Uh, why don't we? Uh, yeah, Pete. I just wanted to say that, like, it was funny because when she's talking to Duncan and he doesn't remember that, it immediately was like when Nina was talking about the mirror, like maybe it, uh, you know, whenever the entities are kind of working their magic you don't remember it or it could be the head key thing where something was removed from duncan's head i think it's both but i also like in this moment duncan does come clean and he we get that he seems suspicious but then we get that very honest reaction where he's like honestly i just don't i don't know why i don't remember that which i thought was a nice way to really put a fine point on what's happening yeah uh, yeah. Let's jump over to Tyler, which will give us a bunch of the rest of the episode, though then, of course, we'll have to talk about Bodhi. Uh, so Tyler, as he goes outside after he's chatted with Nina, uh, he sees a new character we haven't met yet named Logan. Uh, and he sees Logan keying a car. Of, yeah. I assume it's Brinker Martin's car, or right? Yeah. The douchebag. Yeah, yeah, the douchebag. Javi. What's his name? Javi? Yavi. Javi? Yavi? Yavi. Yavi. That's what it is. Yavi. Um, uh, so, yeah. Keying his car, uh, Tyler sees that but doesn't say anything. Uh, and this hilarious. pays off later when Tyler is with his douchebag friends. They're stealing beer from a convenience store. The, oh, 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 oh! They're what? not what? just stealing; they are also pushing an old man to the ground and running out the door. That's fucking twice as bad, man. Ah, uh-uh, and I believe yeah. that's malt liquor, not beer. Yeah. Yeah. And at that it moment, is. Tyler thinks back to his conversation with Jackie and was like. I'm going to be a nice guy, not an asshole. Yeah. Picks up the old man and Logan uh, gives him back the 40. He pays for it. Uh, and now they're best friends. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. It was nice. Uh, I like Logan. I think like he is immediately charming. He is, again, not in the book or anything like that. But he is a fun new character. And I like this relationship he's already setting up with Tyler. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, and then we don't see much of Tyler until the end, so we'll come back to him in a second. Uh, let's jump over to Bodhi because big magical stuff is happening with him. As we mentioned, they uh, get the bear trap that doesn't quite pay off yet. First, Bodhi takes the head key, goes to a key shop, and no, he goes man- to a hardware store. And fucking sex machine is there. Goddamn sex machine is in the show. I lost it. I was like, holy shit, that's Wait, awesome. What? Sex Machine Se- from Dust Till Dawn? Yeah, I hear you, Pete. Oh, oh, I know man. Sex Machine. He's got a crotch casting. gun. He's got a crotch gun. Yeah, he's, he's got a... So that was Tom Savini, who the Savinis are named after. Does he also play a Sex Machine? He does. Dust Till oh. Dawn. There we go. Uh, the, the reason he is in there is because he's Tom Savini. Uh, he also directed... Uh, oh, yeah. It was Tom Savini who played Sex Machine. No idea. All right. There we go. We were just <laughs> knowing him for different things. That... His character... Tin from the, from Nestled On is a crazy movie. One of the only movies I've seen three times in the theater. Um, oh, yeah. And that <laughs> the sex machine character is insane. Yeah. yeah. 
So he is what inspired the Savinis. He also directed an episode or two of Creep Show, the recent reboot that Joe Hill did. So that's probably the connection there, yeah, um, why they threw guy. him into it. Uh, but yeah, that's Tom Savini. He turns around to get some keys, and Bodie sees a keyhole in the back of his neck. Uh, and instead, he doesn't stick it into air. Smart. But uh, the dude does give him a big jar full of keys. I thought that was a very cool way to show us the how the head key works or start to show us how yeah. the head key works. Really yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. And I also really like the fact that Bodie was smart enough to know this isn't the time for that. Um, but, yeah, I was excited about that jar full of keys. And I was like, I wanted him to kind of hold it up to see if any of them whispered because that'd be kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, so then he puts out the bear trap, which we talked about earlier, Very puts stressful. a fake key on it. What? Very stressful. Very stressful. He puts a key on it to wait for Dodge. Oh, uh, Echo. I just blew it. Sorry. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so Bodie, then we get Bodie is trying to put the key in the back of his neck. He's a little too scared to do it, at which point yeah. the Echo enters She's got a bear, hilariously, and has been at a carnival. Uh, And I love this. I love it's, I don't remember how to pronounce her name, Leila de Oliveira, I think is what it is. Uh, Oliveira, maybe. And the way she delivers this, the way she plays the scene, it feels like she she actually thinks she and Bodhi are friends. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I think is great. Like uh, that's just a fun take. And it also gives her that horrifying turn where after the bear gets chopped in half and she's pissed, she chokes Bodhi, which is horrifying. Yeah. 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 Is it come to find out it wasn't a bear trap. It was a teddy bear trap. Cause that, that teddy bear gets iced. But I love how cold she is and how like she's playing this like uh, amazing villain in such a, cool, powerful, like, dead way. It's uh, the fact that, like, when the Tay Bear gets fucked up, she doesn't move. She doesn't flinch. You know, like, oh, man, she's such a badass. Do you think she knew? Do you think she knew about the bear trap, or was she actually tricked? I think she was tricked. I think she was tricked as well, but she didn't give a fuck because she's so powerful. Right. Uh, and then the last little bit is Bodie of later on uses the head key. I mean, appears wait, in a, let's real quick. The noise that it made is not what I expected. And honestly, it's not what I wanted. Ooh, wait, what, what do you mean? When he stuck the key into his neck keyhole, it made right. like a gross, like meat noise. Oh, and I yeah. wanted it to be just like a, instead it was yeah. like, and I, I was not into. Was not you into. don't like it. Not a no. fan. But Justin, you're a foley artist. I would have thought you would appreciate the detail. I mean, I'm a craftsman, but I don't don't love my craft. Uh, oh, it's a little bit more of a meat key, I'd say, and that's what a meat key would sound like to me. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I just didn't didn't see it coming, and didn't. It was too gross for me. Now, <laughs> what's great is when he does put it in. Like the choice that they made, because in the comic we see into their heads. Like when you see that toy box, I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. Really? You like that? Yeah, because when he opens it up and all the color and like stuff like that, like 
if you're not going to, if it's too hard to open somebody's skull and like look into their head, I love the manifestation of that toy box for Bodhi. Mm-hmm. And I hope for each person it's a little different and kind of cool. So like, I like the extra creativity that we're going to see and what manifests as the head, you know? I feel like for people you- for people that know the comic, it does seem like, oh, that's a little bit less fun than the heads opening up. But if this is one scene where I wish I hadn't known what was happening, mm-hmm. because I think it would have been weird and sort of that like original run of Doctor Who, where it was like, why is there that there? Like it's like it's odd as opposed to like a true like sort of magical realism take. Yeah, this yeah. this to me, uh, I love the last shot. By the way, like let me just mention that, and then we can go back and talk about this a little more. So, uh, Bodhi uses the head key. He appears in another place. Like basically, he goes slack. Uh, he appears in another place, sees a trunk in his room, looks in, goes, whoa. Uh, then Tyler and Kinsey are yelling at each other. They're not connecting anymore, at which point they see Bodhi frozen, get terrified, run in, and he pops out of the trunk and says, guys, you have to see this. And Tyler says, what the? And then the yeah. episode cuts off. And I assume episode three will pick up with him saying, fuck. Yes, that, like would, right be that, yeah, would, that be would be fun. That would be fun, but... I love that ending. It's so fun and light and I, I crazy. Agree. I love that. What, what I wanted to say about it, though, was I love that last shot, but it is, to, and I think this is the point you were making as well, Justin, it is knowing how iconic that visual is from Gabriel Rodriguez with the open head and how amazing it is when you first see that double-page spread of the inside of Bodhi's head. The first time I saw it, it was a bit of a bummer. Yeah. Yeah, but we haven't seen what they're going to show us, so we don't know yet. It could be really amazing. I'm Uh, just describing a feeling. I know you are the number one defender now of Lock and Key, the TV show, Pete, but uh, I'm just just expressing a feeling, man. I'm just describing a feeling. (laughs) First off, fuck you, man. I'm not – I'm just saying that, like, you can be disappointed after you see it. I'm, I was disappointed after I saw it. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. Tell you what, I'm off TV shows now, back on the comic books. I love wow, the comic books. Fuck around. this TV show. Wow. Fuck it. That feeling it. is called disappointment. <laughs> uh, I'll say that I did feel better once I actually saw how it went, but I'm just explaining the what I felt at this moment. I don't know what it would have been like if they had necessarily showed the half head or anything like it's that. It's not a knock. It's just like I'm sure yeah. it was like wildly difficult uh, production-wise sure. to CGI a head going open and doing that whole thing. And so it makes total sense. They needed to find another solution. This is the solution. And I think it's Alex's point. It's like fine, but it doesn't have – that's such a magical point in the comic that where Alex's expectations were ratcheted up uh, like a meat key going into his head. <laughs> And instead, mm-hmm. it was a, a box in the corner. Yeah, there yeah, you go. but not just a box. It was like a toy box, like a kid would have. I thought it represents Bodhi well. It's like if no, you I met your hero, I disagree and he with was you. just a box in the room. You know, Pete. Or if like you if, met Superman, and you're like, "Wow, Superman in real life! This is amazing, Superman! What can you do?" And he's like, "I can toast sandwiches." Yeah. Now that's a good with analogy. The toaster. <laughs> I'd be like, I'd be like all right, I mean, it. I love toast. That's Thank you. That's completely different. It's like if you I met Superman and it was just the plot of any of the Superman, the recent Superman movies. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> I'm fighting a real estate scheme. <laughs> <laughs> All right. uh, Before we wrap up here, let's unlock our key moments of the episode. Justin, let's start with you. What is your what's your key moment to this episode? Uh, I think uh, maybe this is sort of a dark horse pick, but my key moment is the way they're portraying Tyler uh, in this episode. Mm. We've talked a lot about how he feels a little bit different from the comic. He's a little less outwardly likable right out of the gate. Um, but I, this episode gave me confidence that it's we're just following him on a hero's journey from being like inactive and devastated by trauma to eventually taking the spot of as the hero of this show. And I think this he's they're all suffering from trauma. And this this episode in particular sh- did a great job of showing how it's divisive when you go through something like that and you don't want to talk about it. But how if you don't, it will truly isolate you and sort of overtake your life. Yeah, Pete, you got one? Got oh, a yeah. key moment there? The key moment is Rufus meeting Bodhi, exchanging of weapons, the, the, the connection for the two huge players that will hopefully save the day later. Um, the fact that they already have a dialogue going, already are talking about defeating evil people. I love it, and I feel like that was a huge, huge moment. I'm going to call out Kinsey getting splatteringed. Um, Mm. Just, I really like that shot a lot. Just the blood coming down her face, the way that Amelia Jones plays that moment, just frozen and almost shaking as she goes into the flashback. Um, It's very powerfully done. And I think there's a lot going on in this show that they need to set up right now. But if you go back to the base emotion, like you were talking about a little bit, Justin, uh, just is grief, is PTSD for certain of the characters. That, to me, crystallized that perfectly in just one shot. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. If you'd like to support the show, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by. We will definitely chat with you about Lock and Key. Uh, also, uh, socially, you can follow us on Lock and Key Pod on Twitter. Instagram and Facebook, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe to the show. And on iTunes in particular, if you could comment, we would very much appreciate that. That helps us out a lot. Comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. And uh, we'll be posting new episodes, I want to say... Every hour on the hour, followed what? by weather on the ones. Yep. So yeah. stay weather tuned for that. Don't uh, promise remember, things we can't keep, do. Keep your dial locked right here. Locked. Alex, enjoy your leftovers, you filthy animal. <laughs> <laughs> um, my clothes are basically off at this point. Wow. <laughs>